Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD, where the doctor helps you unlock your full potential by equipping you with tools and knowledge in the areas of health, wealth, and wisdom, anchored in his experience as a business executive, a physician surveyor for the Joint Commission, a former mayor, and over 50 years of experience as a general surgeon. You've got questions, he's got answers. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Ladies and gentlemen, again, to the Health, Wealth, and Wise podcast. We're absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted to have a very special guest with us, Mr. Rudy Chavarria. And he's going to talk about, <laughs> he's going to talk about some exciting things that he's doing that quite honestly, I had never heard of, you know, as a formal type of activity. And so I'm learning along with our audience. So welcome, Rudy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to to be in your presence, Dr. Choctaw, for all the viewers and listeners. To talk about my background, I actually met Dr. Choctaw back in 1985. I was just graduated as a high school senior, and I was working with peer counseling at Wallet High School. I actually started it there, and I we got invited by public TV at the local Walnut TV station, and it was our principal, Donna, Donald Scraba, who asked me if I wanted to participate in, in this discussion about the drugs and teens and such, and that's when I first, and you you had such a profound impact on me back then in 85. And that when I saw you at this event in November, I immediately recognized you because you just made such an impact on my life. In very little time, I'd known you. And then, you know, driving around locally and seeing your doctor's office with your name, I just always knew you. And I just always, yeah, it was brilliant. So to start way back, I I always wanted to be in the entertainment industry, but I did not have a have a direction and so and I'd always been a people person and that's why and I'd always been in student government uh-huh. and when I graduated well in high school I went to Mount San Antonio College uh-huh. I had no idea what I was going for I just wanted to be in the business I was in a band we were writing songs and I I just dropped out of Mount Sac because I had no direction. I had no, no, no guidance. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know who to go to. And the counselors that I spoke to at the time just were like, okay, this is, what do you want to do? Well, I'm thinking about this, this. All right, well, you need to take these general ed courses. This is what you do for the semester and come back and visit us during the summer. It was more, you know, like, and frankly, it's still that way, college okay. counselors and and so from there, I, I kind of floundered a bit, went from job to job. And it was in 1987 that a friend of mine, she was a student in psychology at UCLA, and she was working a summer job at Home Depot. Uh-huh. She said to me, you know, Rudy, if you want to be in the entertainment industry, what are you doing working at Home Depot? And I was just like, oh, my God, yeah, what am I doing here? So I quit Home Depot, got a job at Chili's to bus and tables and become a food service so during the day I could go look for work in the industry okay. and and then I ended up getting a job at AM Records and it pretty much started there and then 
I went to a school called Musicians Institute in Hollywood, the VIT program, to teach vocals and learn how to sing. And it was there that I got into internships there through MI for Warner Chapel Publishing, Giant Records, Warner Brother Records. And then I started my own independent record company. And then my independent record company, I wasn't making any money, working with a bunch of ska punk bands out of Orange County. Uh-huh. And I ended up shutting that down. But in the process, and this was during 95, 93, 90, 93 to 95, I shut it down and I got a lot of people starting to ask me if I would market their materials because or their product because right. they saw my flyers everywhere, stickers, posters. And this is before the internet. And if an email was just starting. Right. Um, so you started your own business. You went from working at Home Depot to starting your own record company. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when and to what started me was my confidence. Uh-huh. What started me or started my confidence was the fact that I had done internships. And I tell all college students and all high school students, if you want to get involved in something, start an internship, start shadowing somebody immediately, whether you want to be a doctor or you want to go work with NASA. As a matter of fact, over the weekend, I was talking to a girl who's part of the family and told her she wants to be an aerospace engineer. Uh-huh. And I said, well, you need to get involved now for two reasons. One, you need to start networking, which is really important. And number two, you need to find out of whether or not this is really what you like and really what you think it is all about. Because a, a lot of what I do now, counseling with college students, they realize this isn't what I want to do, but they're so far in to their education that they have no choice but to keep going with it. And and in some cases, a lot of parents tell their children, if you don't do this, if you don't become that doctor, if you don't become that lawyer, we're not paying for your education, yes. which is which is horrible. So, again, internships at any age are shadowing somebody at any age. High school, definitely college, is, is something that I feel really helps people decide what they want to do with their career. And this is where I see, I see as a counselor now, that it funnels down into life. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you're going to do something for the rest of your life and you're miserable, it will funnel down into your personal life. It just mm-hmm. will. If Because you're not happy, so you look for happiness somewhere else. Whether you start to have infidelity in your marriage or you're just a verbally or physically abusive husband or father, Mm-hmm. Or you start drinking alcohol mm-hmm. or drugs. Yeah. You're just unhappy. Right. So I try to tell students now, hey, look, you need to do what's going to make you happy, or this is the path you are most likely going to go to. And even, you know, of course, but, you know, depression. But, so well, when I was growing up, I, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and I was just thinking about what you said about the importance of internship. And and I never really thought about it until you just said it. Uh, but I remember, at least in Nashville, college, local colleges would have like summer programs where mm. they would invite high school students who were interested in certain areas to do, I don't know, three or four weeks or a month in mm. those summer programs. Now, I'm sure it was a recruitment process for them, but yeah. I think going by what you said, 
for the student, for us, it was invaluable because it did give us an idea about what it might be like on the other side of that fence and 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 give you idea, is this really what you want or don't what not what you want and that sort of thing. I, I think that's an excellent point, is 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 what I'm trying to say. I, and I think a lot of us don't even think about that. Yeah, kind of a jettison a bit. I've run into so many different doctors, lawyers in my profession and, and throughout life that they have told me that really good doctors and really good lawyers have told me, and you can tell what I mean because you can tell they just love what they do. Mm -hmm. And I'm staying with doctors and lawyers mm -hmm. as a topic subject right now. But those really good ones, after I explain what I'm telling you yeah. and your audience, they themselves have said, yeah, I've run into a lot of doctors and a lot of other lawyers that they absolutely hate me. They hate what they do, but I they do it because they're so involved and so in debt yes. and yes. and they have a lifestyle. Done. And yes. it's just like, my gosh, I had no idea. And then I think to myself, as a, as, as doctors who are surgeons and and you're you're performing these services on people who who really need your help, you know, and, yes. and you hate what you do. I mean Yes. And many of them feel trapped. Going back to your previous absolutely. whether it's by mom or dad or or whatever the circumstances are, and they can't get out. You know, I I, I was in medical school, yeah, with, with students who wanted to be musicians. Wow. I want to come to medical school. <laughs> right. I want to play in a band. I want to play in a symphony. <laughs> uh, and and I I I didn't appreciate it as, as as much then as I do now. To your point, that once you're stuck as an adult or feel stuck as an adult, yeah. you are miserable. And not only are you miserable, you make everybody around you miserable. Yes, that that negative energy spreads like wildfire to the point to to if I if I may even militarily yeah um they tell you or uh you ask any drill sergeant they'll tell you if if there's a sign of fear in any one of their soldiers mm -hmm. immediately they take them out of combat and remove them because that stuff spreads quickly to all of the soldiers and then the machine doesn't work anymore it just right. starts to, yeah and so but, but that's with everything in life so yeah i mean yeah so that just that negative energy, that bad energy. Let me ask you another question before you go on. I have, and this is just me, and you can help me with this. All of my life, I was well, I was told by my mother uh, when I was quite young the importance of going to medical school. So I've always thought medical school, but in general, I felt that counselors, and this is just me, were not always as supportive of. Uh, students to do what the student wants to do. I'm talking about students who want to go to college or go to medical school or law school. And they said, well, I don't know. You should probably think about blah, blah, blah. And 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 I don't know whether it's just, just my own prejudice, which may be true, but I just never felt, I or I felt that they were not nearly as helpful as they should be to get students into college. Because I have this thing about getting people into college. And I I, I felt, and you can correct me here, that that's particularly true with minority students. Now, absolutely, absolutely, and so I'm 57 years old, and you and I kind of are within the same generation of, you know, there's no Archie Bunkers anymore. You know, it's not politically correct. There's there's no more of of there's no more Fred Sanfords. Uh huh. Understood. Yeah, and 
for those of uh, those of you who are a younger audience, these are these are characters in TV shows that were very uh, they would push the limit as far as you know the LGBT the, yes. the race. Yes. I mean, oh boy, you know they just would be up in arms in today's 2024. But in 1972, 1974, it was just the norm. Yeah. And so I want to preface this by answer by by saying that we come from that generation where it's not that it was accepted. It was just like, ah, it is what it is. And then we were moving forward. And as a minority myself, my mother's Native American, Spaniard, and my dad is, is Mexican. Uh -huh. And my wife is full-blooded Japanese because her mom uh -huh. is Japanese. Uh -huh. Her parents actually were in the Manzanar camp during world war ii really? yeah and her aunt was born in manzanar oh my goodness. she just turned she just turned 80 and and then her dad is from mexico so yeah definitely a lot of prejudice and yes counselors including back then and i'd have to say even now there is prejudice and it's not so much anymore i think of course i'm not 19 to 23 anymore and i don't talk to counselors but from what I see, everything's changed in the generation now, which I love. You know, you can talk to a 15, 16-year-old or 18-year-old, and they'll just be like, eh, LGBT, no big deal. Right. As opposed to when I was 15, 16, you'd be like, ooh, yes. that guy, or ooh, that girl. Yes. Or, but now this generation is like, eh, whatever, who's who's winning the game? Or, hey, well, did you see that that TikTok video? And nobody kind of cares anymore because it's being so much more accepted. And and God bless that. I agree. Definitely God bless it. And to take it a step further, before I talk about the prejudice mm -hmm. with counselors, to take it a step further, one of the main reasons why I was so compelled to start College Web Mentor was, you know, you get all that negative energy and then you compound it from negative from from counselors, peers, yes, society. Yes. And then if you are a minority and you get it from your friends. friends. <laughs> yeah. And and it's what's interesting, and even the younger people who are viewing this, you know what we're talking about because you can be in sixth grade and you can just tell people don't like you when you walk into a room and you've never even said anything to them. Right, And it's the same thing as when you're 40 years old and you walk into an executive meeting and you can still feel that nobody likes you. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is get used to it, guys. Exactly. It's not going away. It's not going away. But here's <laughs> here's my, my punchline is all of that energy that's bad and prejudice yes. can really push a human being to the point where you're suicidal. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few friends of mine who have been who have killed themselves. Mm -hmm. One who was 17, one who was 22, another one who was 54. And these were all close to me people. And the common denominator in every one of them was there was something that they felt that tore apart their self-confidence. Their mm -hmm. self-confidence then trickled down to their self-worth yes. and their, their reason for living. And that was it. And once you cross that line mentally, that that's it, then it becomes painful. Yes. And the pain then turns into anxiety. And then the anxiety is, I think, what exacerbates the depression to where it's physically painful because you're getting anxious. And then that's when and one one of the 
people that I know, she was 17, who said, I just can't stand the pain. And I could never understand what she was talking about. But being someone myself who went through an anxiety period, mm -hmm. at that point, as I was going through my anxiety and my panic attacks, my anxiety attacks, I knew exactly what she was talking about. Now, I was never suicidal, right? but I knew what she was talking about now. And so I got it. I got it. Totally got it. So again, to go back to your statement of prejudice from counselors, especially people you think are there to help you, they get paid right. to help you. So it ends up being a double whammy. You know, you think they, yes. they're there to help you. And so you, you tend to put more emphasis on what they say, but either because of their limitation, mentally, psychologically or whatever, they or their jealousy. Or, or jealousy. You yeah, you can yeah. feel when someone's jealous of you, even when right. they're older than you, you just feel like, wow, really? You were, I looked up to you and now you're, and I went through that in the, in when I was at school at Musicians Institute, because mm -hmm. people were telling me I was really good. And I, and it started to get around in school. Of course, this was back then. And, and there were like two or three different teachers. Right that I could just, they would look at me and I could just feel that they didn't want me to succeed because they weren't succeeding. Yes. And whether it's Musicians Institute, UCLA, USC, Cal State Fullerton, Harvard, it didn't mm -hmm. matter because there will always be those type of people. So yeah. it's it's important to get back to your statement. Oh, yeah, definitely prejudice, definitely. And the people that I talked to that I've brought up who were suicidal, they weren't, my, they weren't just minorities. Some of them were. Yes. Um, Jewish, Christian, white, black, African American. So it it goes beyond. It transcends color. It transcends all of that. I and I I love to 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 think that. Like I I play a trick with when I do go guest speak. I tell all the students, okay, I want all of you to close your eyes. And when we when I talk to them about right, but what we're talking about, and so they all close their eyes, and I say. I want you to tell me what color am I? <laughs> and I'll say, oh, then I'll break into like, hey, you say, you know, vario and blah, blah. And then they, they start to smile and I'll say, <laughs> and then I'll start to say, now, if everybody would please turn to page 45 and I'd like you all to start reading, but we're going to start with this chapter and uh, let's proceed. And then they smile and then I'll say, yeah, brother, you know what I'm saying? And then they smile. And then I say, now open your eyes. And they look at me and they're just like, and they all kind of laugh. And it's like, so it really is just your perception of yourself. You can be whoever you want to be. And I even, yes. And I even tell people that are musicians to take an, or who are entrepreneurs or who are business people, marketers, or frankly, any student, take an acting class, acting 101. Because that will give you techniques to pull yourself out of your shell if you are a shy person. It will give you techniques that only an acting professor can teach you. And once you turn it on, when they say, okay, read your script, go ahead, do your monologue, you're like, and they say, go. And you learn how to turn it on, and then you learn how to turn it off. And it's you know, very it's, important to be successful, I believe, is to, to, to have that a capability, that ability to do that. So, yeah. It's interesting you say that, I, and, and it's amazing because you're sort of like a mirror to me. I, and this is the first time we've talked about this and you know, yes. and all of that. Yeah. But I, I have concluded, similar to what you've already suggested,
that the most important thing for young people to get is confidence. Yes. You know, and there are different ways to get that confidence. There are also different ways to lose that confidence, you know, yes. depending on whether you live in a toxic environment or whatever. Yes. But, but interestingly, going back to what, what you just remind me of, I had an English teacher named Gertrude Britton in my high school in Nashville, Tennessee. And my high school was 99% African-American who felt it very important to teach us how to speak. You know, and that and oh, she, yeah. she said, you will not go out of my classroom. We were in the deep south, right? You will yeah. not go out of my classroom with, 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 with this, this southern accent and all that. So I said, no. And her point was, you have enough points against you. And we certainly are going to add that as another one. So her mission in life for all of her students was you would speak proper English. You would speak good diction, blah, 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 blah. Because that then adds to your confidence. And she did that by having a public speaking group. You know, we used to do orations in, in competition to teach us how to articulate words and sentences and paragraphs to build up our self-confidence. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Speaking is so important. I tell students, um, I, tell, I tell students all the time, I tell them, make sure you read. Mm-hmm. And I also tell them, make sure you understand and build your vocabulary. And, and you know, to go along with what she was doing, I tell them why it's important, because it's one thing to be like, yeah, I know what I'm saying. And then another thing to say, like, to be able to say, you know, let's jettison to the next topic. And, and they kind of like look at me and I'm like, I'm telling you, you know, if I talk to you in one way and then I talk to you another way, you're going to look at me completely different. Yeah. And I tell students to expand your vocabulary because it's really important to be able to articulate and know how to um, articulate what you're trying to communicate to people. Mm-hmm. The better your vocabulary, the easier it will become. So, yeah. And the more confident you'll get. So, yeah. But when you advise students, and you work with a lot of students um, in different areas, and, and even in high school and others, but what are some of the most common issues that you see come up from the students and, uh, that they have to deal with? That maybe if they had done some things before that time, it would be easier for them. Well, the first thing is, like you had said, confidence, because um working with a, a student who's 33 in medical school in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working with a high school student who's in Cincinnati. She's going to be going to, she actually, met, I met her out here about two months ago. She was looking at different universities to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's confidence. And certain mentors will take you so far. And I tell that to my mentors mm-hmm. that they have to know when the student doesn't need them anymore. And the student will eventually know when I need to move to a new mentor. And I think that's really important to be selfless, to, 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 as a mentor, to be able to say, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. It's nice to get the money, right? but to be able to say, you don't need me anymore. And for a student to be able to realize, I don't need this mentor anymore. So again, it would be confidence. And whether it's the student in medical school or the high school student, there's that certain level of confidence that they need to push themselves through to the next level. 
And hey, so I would. Hey, how, how do you advise self-esteem confidence? Right. Hey, how do you advise students many times who are in an environment where maybe they may be the first one in their family to go to college or potentially go to college, but yet there's a lot of negative energy around either. I say mom or dad may not have gone to college and may or may not be as supportive as they should be. Certainly their friends have not, and they're sort of teasing them a lot, or oh, you think you're better than us, blah, 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 blah. Yes. You know, how do you how how do you help them to get out of that that level and get to that next level? Yes. You have to show them the better life. Okay. You have to show them so they can see and they can hear it. And when I first started the company, I met with a couple of people up in Palo Alto, California, good friends of mine helping me with the company. And one of them brought their their son, 17-year-old, who was a student at Berkeley, Chinese kid. And as myself, his dad, and my business partner were talking at dinner, he was sitting there quiet on, on, on the table. And he had one thing to say to me. He said, how do you plan on mentoring us? And this kind of goes along with my answer to the question you're asking. I, I, I leaned in towards him and I said, stories. I said, because if I sit here and I tell you, you need to do this, you should consider this. You need to think about this. It's going to go right over your head. Right. You're going to think, who's this dude trying to tell me? I go, the guy, and, you know, who's this dude trying to tell me about the future or my future when he probably doesn't even have a Snapchat account? He probably doesn't have a TikTok account and he's going to tell me about the future. And he smiled and I said, but if I tell you a story, I said, like the stories that your dad just shared with me. I go, did you know your dad went through all of that? And he looked at his dad and his dad smiled and he goes, no, I didn't. I go, that was a story. I go, what about all the other things? You're hearing these stories. I go, your mind is spinning. I go, no, if I tell you a story, you know, maybe you should hear, maybe you should, you know, if I tell you a story about something I went through, mm -hmm. then you're going to apply it to your own life. And then you'll start to ask me questions. I go, that's how I plan on doing it. Everybody's going to have their own story, their own testimony, if you will. Right. And that is what's going to make you feel like, okay, not only can I trust you, but yeah, now I'm now I'm curious. How can you help? What do you think about this situation, Rudy? And that's where it begins. So, so, so that's one part of it by telling stories, but also for the person who is trying to escape the negative energy, whether it's parents and and one of the schools that I spoke to, Santa Ana High School. One of the biggest problems they have is the dropout rate for community college. Yes, is uh, is fifty percent and more on the first semester. And a lot of it is because the Hispanic family that they come from, they rely on the high school student to make an extra income working at McDonald's or wherever, wherever it is. So this way they can help feed the family, which is a huge burden on, on, on kids. And so to answer your question is to show them the better life that they feel that they don't deserve, but the better life that is out there that they totally deserve. Absolutely. That that so they can see that if they they do the time in school, this is what you'll get for it. If they do the time in a trade school, this is what you'll get from it. Mm -hmm. And then I take it a step further and I'm I'm actually going into I spoke at a continuation school uh -huh. in early December. Yes. And a couple of the students were just kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever, dude. But I focused on three or four of them and I and I call them out by name. What do you like doing? Uh, well, I'm, I like this. What are you going to do when you graduate? Well, I'm probably going to be an electrician. And I'm, and I'm brilliant. Excellent. And then I go to the whiteboard and I say, this is what 
his name was Daniel. This is what Daniel can expect when he graduates. And I said, now all of you follow this. I told him how much rent costs nowadays, $2,600 for a two bedroom apartment. And I wrote it all down a month times 12. And then I wrote down electricity, $200 a month times 12, gas, blah, blah, blah. And then I wrote down, Daniel's going to make $33 a month. Or sorry, an hour as an electrician starting out. Or 28 to 33 dollars a month and i wrote that out times 12 but times four times 40 times four weeks times 12 months and then i wrote down if you don't have a degree or if you don't have a trade school you're going to make probably 18 to 20 dollars an hour but i wrote that down and they can see it they can see that wow and then i said oh and you want to go to the movies you're going to drop a hundred dollars to go to the extra. movies <laughs> yes and you're gonna and then gas for your car and you want you want a nice car okay and you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you have all this yes. and i'm like this is your life this is where you guys are headed and i said now daniel on the other hand goes to trade school becomes an electrician works with his dad his dad gets him into the company he starts to make money he lives with his parents which is totally cool because he's saving money right and he saves enough money to buy an apartment complex a duplex he rents one out and he lives in the other. And the mortgage comes, the mortgage payment comes from the one that he's renting out. So he's essentially living rent free. He's an electrician. He knows how to fix things around the house. He doesn't have to call anybody to fix anything. He lives there until he and his girlfriend or his partner decide they're going to get married. Then they take out a loan on the apartment and they go buy their own home. They both have good jobs. They live there for maybe seven years. Then they take out another loan against the apartment and against the house they own. And they buy another building apartment. And then by the time they're 50, they own four apartments. They sell them all and buy one big building that has 60 tenants at right. $4,000 a month. Right. When I write down 60 times 4,000 <laughs> equals, and I'm like, this is what Daniel's life can be. 60 i said four thousand times 60 tenants you guys tell me what he's going to make a month and they're exactly. like wow over two hundred thousand dollars a month is what he's going to be making right and i and i say to him this is your life so to answer your question how do you pull somebody out of that you show it to them you right. show them their life and then and then they start to feel like i can do this that is doable right it's doable because the math is but but I and it's I that that's just a brilliant point because what I see and again I'll I'll, I'll have you help me with this I, mm -hmm. I I've had this belief system that a lot of students and I'm talking about my students who who have to struggle you know whether it's because they're they're from families that that are poor or they're minority or both or whatever uh, and right. many times they they want the better life. They want to do well. They're willing to work well. Yes. But there are traps for them. There are traps out there for them. One of the traps yeah. is these places that call themselves colleges and universities, and they're not colleges and universities. Yes. And they take our best and our brightest who save what little they have, and they get into a place, and I'm, I'll, I'll throw a name out, Trump University, and thinking that they're going to a university, but it's not a university. They can't transfer those those credits. They can't take that and take an exam and, and go up into a different profession. How do, mm -hmm. how do you protect students from the traps 
out there where people try to take advantage of them, which ends up then either pushing them into depression or make them give up altogether. That's a very good question. And, and I'll give two examples. One, and I only give it religiously. What I mean by that is in Christianity, God blesses you with gifts and talents. Right. And he wants you to be the light of the world, to, for, for you to go up to the high, tallest tree. And so people will see you and then you will selfishly, selfishly, selflessly say, I am blessed and it's not for me, it's from God. But I'm here to spread positive energy with yes. the gifts and talents that I have. And so that I got so lost in that that visual that I forgot your question. That's okay. <laughs> and, and I am Christian, by the way, so you're 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 in good you're you're in good company here. It's okay. Okay. So how how you you had asked how does a person how does a student get beyond you know that trap? Right. And the, so the example I just gave you, you know, mm -hmm. to be use the God-given gifts that you have and talents, and, and whatever God it might be. It could be right. Buddha, it could be uh, Allah. It right. doesn't matter. Right. It's just a God-given talent that you have that cannot be buried. And there yes. are plenty of stories, as you know, in the Bible of, of, the, of the three sons that the father said to one of the sons, I'm going to give you all, I'm just going to uh, paraphrase this, I'm going to give you all 10,000, and I want right. you to, it's your money, do what you want. One son right. goes out and blows it in parties right. the other goes out and 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 invests it into a business because bankrupt but hey and then the other son takes the ten thousand dollars and he buries it right because he doesn't want to touch it doesn't want to lose it and then the father comes back and is praising the other two sons one who blew it mm -hmm. it away the other one who tried to be an entrepreneur and he gets angry at the son who took his talent and buried it in the dirt so how to avoid getting into that trap and I tell that story because that was a very selfless act of those two boys, who two sons who just blew it. Right. But on another hand, it wasn't it wasn't selfish of them because they were given that money. So it wasn't selfish of them to do what they wanted with it without having any guilt or responsibility to their dad. And that's what their dad loved. Right. Because he wanted to give it to him and said, "Do what you want with it." And they did what they want with it without any parental guilt. And that's so that's to tap onto your question. How do you pull out, get out of that trap? Because parents are that way, too. They can put their children into a trap of you need to do this. And even though the son or daughter may feel like, well, this is what I want to do. They will stop from doing it because they feel that guilt of their parent. Yes, and yes. they won't do it because yes. their parent has drilled in them so much and, and helicopter parents in particular. Yes or bulldozer parents in particular, that their child grows up thinking, I'd love to, but I can't. And that, again, funnels down into their marriage because their spouse might be very, hey, let's go do this. Hey, I'm going to do this. But the but they will be like, oh, I can't because of my mom and dad. And they're like, hey, we're married. You know, We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to raise our kids the way we want to raise our kids. Right. But to pull yourself out of the trap, it's not only collegiate, if you will, it's also parental, mm -hmm. and as an individual. So to answer that question, to funnel all down, answer one question and give you one word, and that is selfish. Mm -hmm. Because you have to be a selfish individual, a selfish human being, knowing that I only have one life. 
Right. God gave me the talents to do what I can do. So when I'm on my deathbed, I can say I lived a happy life. I have no regrets. Right. And I used what God gave me. Yes. And granted, people called me selfish, but I know I'm not. I just did what I wanted to do with what God gave me. So to answer your question, you have to be a selfish human being. <laughs> now, there are people who, who take it to the limit, like Steve Jobs or, or Elon Musk, right. who, you know, people are just like, they have been portrayed as just mean human beings. Exactly. But if you think about it, those people are so focused that there's nothing that matters to them but their goal. And they'll frankly, crap on everybody around them, family and friends, to get what they want. But I, but to answer your question, you have to be a selfish person. Right. And I don't think the word selfish in this case is a is a bad word or a negative word. I think it's a very, it's a word that I, I believe that people should, should uh, say to themselves, I'm going to be selfish. And as you probably know, one of the key things of being successful is having the ability to say no. Right. Hey, we're going to go do this. You know, we want you to come. Absolutely. And you as a son or daughter say, no, right. I'm going to go do this. Or you as, you know, a parent, you say, no, I'm not going. I need to work on our taxes. Yeah. Or you as, but to, the ability to be selfish and the, the, the ability to say no, that to me, to answer your question, is the way to avoid that trap. When people try to put up boundaries, you say, no, right. not doing it. I'm, no, I'm not doing it. And that's one of the things that I tell students that I'm mentoring. You have to have a list of standards. Yes. You have to write down my list yeah, of standards that is, as an, so true. as <laughs> yes, as a friend. This is my standards list. If you're going to be a friend of mine, right. you're going to lead by my standards. If you're going to be my spouse, these are my standards. If you're going to be my business partner, these are my standards. Yes. And if you're going to be, you know, my you know, well, I said it, my spouse, whatever. There's a list of standards where you yourself will say, I will not cross these lines because yeah. then it, it affects me as a human being and I can't be 100% me. So, yeah, to answer your question to, to get out of that trap, to be selfish, have your list of standards. That, that yeah. makes perfect sense that the students have to be focused and relentless. I mean, I, I'm yes. sure we can all remember in college, you know, when we wanted to go to the party, but you say, you know what, I got I got a chemistry exam tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not doing well in chemistry. <laughs> I, I really need to stay here and study. And, and it's making those choices and giving yourself permission to make those choices uh, that that are OK. That's OK. And and I and you touched on another thing that I think is important. Also, I think there should be some some religious connection there, you know. And as I said, you can Absolutely. choose what you like, but I think that to to your point helps you maintain those standards, you know, yeah, or, or helps you create them. So no, 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 I'm not just out here doing X, Y, and Z. I have a purpose, and, yeah. and either this is in alignment with my purpose or it's not in alignment with my purpose. And if it's yes. not, then I need to let it go. And that includes people. I, I'm sorry, yes. I need to let it go. I, I'm, I'm on yes. my way to law school or medical school or, <laughs> or, or graduate school. I, I can't get involved with drugs, right? Yeah. Now. I won't even get out of college. You know? Yeah. So I, I think that's excellent advice. Excellent. Thank advice. you. And and you, you bring up uh, friends um, that whether it's friends or family, they may hate you, may talk about you, but in the end, Yes. Will respect you. Yes. And they won't let anybody talk bad about you because that's true. That's true. Always, yeah. They will be like, like, hey man, you know, hey bro, hey, you know, like, hey, <laughs> hey, 
they'll just talk so good about you in the end. And whether that's family, friends, or colleagues. And like you had said, you know, you cut the people out of your life who who deserve to be, who need to be cut. Yes. Uh, You, yeah. And and if I may, on the, on the religious Christian thing, Mm -hmm. uh, someone asked me, what is the best book that I, that I would advise? Mm -hmm. And I would, I would say for a book of stories, Mm -hmm. the Bible, both new and old Testament. Yes. Because there are so many stories in there that you, even if you don't believe, you just want to read it for entertainment, you'll read these stories and be like, Wow. Or you'll read the, if you like poetry, just pick up Psalms, pick yes, up Psalms. That's right. Beautiful. Poetry. And you'll just be like, wow, you know, I don't need to read T.S. Eliot or anybody like that. Just the stuff here is just fascinating. And just, and, and, and again, I say this because if you're not a Christian, you're not religious, and you just read it for right. face value, you will exactly. pull something out of that and you'll just be blown away like, wow, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you you have been ad- absolutely excellent in terms of giving us good advice and things to do, and we want to be respectful of your time. But let me ask you one one final question: What advice would you give uh, to young people who you normally mentor, or who you're presently mentoring, or will mentor in the future? Uh, because I think that gap between home and college is huge, and I think yeah. uh, to your point, I think. It many times will dictate whether you succeed or you don't succeed, how well you navigate that transition from high school to college, a high school to whatever is after high school. But what advice in general would you give, you know, to all of them, the parents on the parent side and on the student side? First of all, I, I think humility, if you're a parent, humility in, in, in the way where you can say as a parent, I don't know everything, yes. where you as a parent can say to your child, I don't know everything and I am not perfect. When you can say those two lines to your son or daughter, the anxiety, the the expectation, it becomes more where your son or daughter will be like, because sons and daughters need to realize, and I'm sure that there was a point for you with your parents that my parents don't know everything. Right. And that's best for me as an individual. And my mom, my dad isn't Superman like I thought he was. He's a human being. He's just like me trying to figure it out, but trying to be the best at, as you can. And same with my mom. But if a parent can just be humble and admit these things to their child, the the expectations, the anxiety, just ah, oh, the weight on your shoulders just ooh, goes away. There's that saying, let go and let God. Yes. And it's kind of the same thing. Let go of thinking you have to be the perfect parent and tell your son or daughter that I don't know everything. I had to figure it out. I went exactly what you're going through. But but here's where I can help as your parent. I am here for you. Give them a hug or let them hug you. Mm-hmm. And here's the, another last thing for the parent is to tell them we are a team. Yes. You and me are a team. And your brother and, and your dad were a team. Even if they're divorced, doesn't right. matter because right. you still parents. still parents and you can rely on me. We are a team. Now, if that parent can't do that, then I'd have to say that parent needs to work on themselves. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And for the, the, the child, the student to realize that my mom and dad aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that I can't tell them. 
It's best that they don't know. And I'm talking about the good things you want to do in your life. If you're doing, I'm not talking about drinking or drugs or any, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, any of that stuff. I'm talking about things that you know you want to do with your life. You want to study. You want to become. Sometimes it's best that parents don't know, mm-hmm. and that you do it. And then the, and while you're doing it, your parents are like, "Wow, you did all this," and they're like, "Yeah, I did." I did. I did it myself. And then your parents starts to have that respect for you because you did it. Yes. And and it goes again, being selfish. So advice that I would give to a high school student or a college student is do what you want to do with your life. Well, I don't know what I want to do, Rudy. Well, start with what are your talents? What are you good at? What do your teachers tell you you're good at? What do you know you're good at? You're good at math? No, I'm terrible at math. All right. Well, <laughs> I could never be a business owner. Yeah, you can. Exactly. Because you might be a people person. You might be. And then what do you do if you don't know math? You hire the best you math people. <laughs> yeah. And you tell them what to do. Just because you don't know math doesn't mean you're not smart enough to be your own business owner. And so follow your talents, follow your passion, do what you want to do as an individual. Be selfish. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the money will come and you'll realize it's not about the money. It's about me doing things. I mean, money's just going to come. Right. So, yeah. So for, for the parents and the students who are listening to this podcast, how do they get in touch with you? <laughs> if they want to follow uh, up or... Yeah. They um, yeah, they can contact me. Uh, well, you can go to collegewebmentor.com. Okay. That's collegewebmentor.com. Okay. Dot com. And you can reach out to me personally at Rudy. R-U-D-Y-A-M-P, Adam Michael Paul at gmail.com. And uh, you know what's interesting? Since I brought up my website, I used to have prices up there, like, you know, cookie cutter, pulled up to McDonald's, I'll take them number one, grilled onions, or number two or number three. But I realized that wasn't working. I wasn't getting any sales. Mm-hmm. And then I took the prices off, and then people started calling. <laughs> so there's no prices. But I actually, it, it hit me that, this is such a delicate situation and trying to to help somebody you can't put a price on it so really it's i mean there's hourly rates but each individual mentor is 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 has their own rates is different and it's more of where you meet somebody for 20 minutes every other week and then you communicate through 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 google docs and journal journaling is really important and that's another thing for a parent and for a student to journal about what you're going through in life because as you read it and you're writing it, you're figuring things out, how to figure right. problem, how to problem solve. Right. A lot of that happens between the mentors and, and the students. And, and that's, I know I'm totally transitioning here, but, but that is the, the way to get a hold of me through email and just check out the website. So, okay. yeah. And, we and will, I'd, I'd love to come back anytime you want. To I was just talk on to other, say, other we, we, we definitely want to have you back. And so what, yeah. what I, I, my request of you is look at your schedule. Uh, okay. over the next few months and see which month is good for you. Whatever, and just, okay. just just shoot me a text or an email and said, I'm available during the month of. And okay. we, we will, because I, I really do believe this is so important. And I don't think anybody else is talking about this the, the way we I are. agree with you. I totally agree with you. Totally everybody just you. assumes, well, it's all handled and everybody takes care of it. It's not all handled because I, to, to that point, I have a grandson, my first grandson, who's applying to college. He's, he's a 3.8 student. He's applying to most of the UC schools. Um, 
And, yeah. you know, he's in that in that transition. So I'm going back through this again with him. You know, <laughs> and you're right. Yeah. You know, talks in the Instagram, which I never heard of back then. Uh, but but honest, <laughs> right. I think a lot of parents go through this every year and they need help. And, and I think the resources are very limited. Uh, to help them. Yes. And, and so yes. We want to help to make you available on a regular basis as as, as possible uh, to help. Yeah. Them. Well, if I'd come back every month and we can talk about one thing in particular that like maybe next month, what should a student be doing for spring break? You know, to. Okay. To, okay. okay. And then, uh, and then uh, what, that'll work. Yeah. And then what should a student be doing that's about to graduate high school or graduate college? What should they be doing? that they can't get from their counselor's advice or they can't get from their parents. Yeah. Uh, what should they be doing? What should they be focusing on? So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. whenever you yeah, want me back. Why don't we do that? We'll set up okay. a monthly thing. You can That'd send me a list of topics that, that, that okay. you think would be appropriate, but, but we'll coordinate monthly for the next 11 months. <laughs> that sounds perfect to me. Because let's, I let's honestly do it Right. I honestly think that this is an area that's weak in our education development system for the students. I think either we yes. have counselors who don't understand the students, all the students, and maybe are not providing the help that they should be because of their own, I don't know, limited experience or whatever. Um, yeah. So I think there's a need, is my point. I think there's a need Absolutely. for all students, regardless of who you are. Yes. And, you know, you bring up a very good point about counselors. Because like Mount Sac has, I think, over 42,000 students. And how can 25 counselors help 42,000 students? It's not possible. And there are some counselors that don't want to help you. I mean, right, unfortunately. Right. They think they already know. They look at you and say, oh, no, 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 you in this group. Oh, no, 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 you in that yeah. other group. Exactly. And then, which brings up the whole prejudice thing. Yes, you know, that yes, sometimes yes. slips in. We're like, oh, well, you're African-American. You should be doing this. Right. Yeah, I mean, Hilda Solis is a perfect example when she talks to students, she says, yeah, I went to my counselor and the counselor told me I should be a secretary and I should go to Rio Hondo for secretary classes. And she, she ended up becoming the secretary, secretary of labor, labor. <laughs> for President Obama. And, she, and everybody laughs in the audience. I love that. <laughs> but, you know, think beyond. You know, so, yeah. Thank you so much. For okay. You know, God bless of you. Course. And, and of course. Of course. Likewise. And we'll, Thank we'll, you, we'll be in touch for February. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Be sure to check out other great episodes covering areas of health, wealth, and wisdom at thwwp.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the books, blogs, and other literature in your preferred format. And don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, share, and support the podcast. That's at thwwp.com. You've been listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD.